0: on the good morning hamilton podcast today we are talking about taxes because well they're not really all that fun but tax season is coming up we're going to try and help you out with that one chris van zyle from the hamilton Cats, great lineman better person we're going to tell you what he is up to in the next few days if you enjoy going on a cruise stick around the cruise industry is coming back but there are still some things to know as it gets back up to speed what's happening in ukraine What's happening in Ottawa? What's happening in the House of Commons? Uh, all of that is coming up. Stick around. This
1: is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. First, though, I'm going to
0: look to Ottawa because a debate around the Emergencies Act started yesterday. It's probably going to carry on for a few days. Where is it going? What does this mean? I want to bring in Daniel Perry, who's a consultant with Summa Strategies, who joins us now. Daniel, thanks for the time today. Hey, Scott. It's great to join you. Listen, help me out with this for a second, because the the Emergencies Act is in effect right now, and yet they're debating it in the House of Commons about whether it should be used. How is this not sort of making a mockery of the parliamentary process? Don't you have to have the debate before you impose? I, I don't quite understand why we're even debating this if it's already in
2: place. I think just part of the democratic process of the smokescreen that they wanted to make it seem that it's democratic. The Emergency Act is a nuclear weapon that's been deployed. And it's the first time it's been used since it's been reintroduced in 1988. So there's a lot of gray area. So I think after this is all done, there's gonna be some a lot of talk about a if this was actually necessary and b how it can actually be improved for next time. Because I agree with you, it makes no sense that it's in place right now, while they're still debating it. And actually, parliamentarians have a snow day today too, because of the demonstration downtown parliament's been canceled. They're coming back tomorrow morning.
0: Okay. So let's just play this idea for a second here. We, we believe that the NDP, a Jagmeet Singh has said he will support this somewhat grudgingly, but he says he will, that's going to give the liberals enough votes to make this pass. But let's say that something in the debate changed. someone makes a point that everyone goes, wow, great point. And then this thing does not pass but you've got it in place already. So
2: retroactively, does it unexist? What happens then to what's been happening? I believe that what would happen is that if it doesn't have the support of the House, uh, it can be removed. And that said, if 20 members uh, say that they don't support it, then they can have a full vote to remove it at any time. So. Basically, if the support appears to be disappearing, then the government's going to have to act quickly to try to figure out ways to get support. But as you said, the NDP are, are grudgingly going to be supporting it because I think at the end of the day, everybody wants this to be over with.
0: As I say, it's just it's it's confusing though that if mm-hmm. if there was to be because it's not just the, the the debate now because we've also seen there's a number of groups that have said we're going to be going to court to stop this because we believe it's unconstitutional. So if by any reason and and we may be screaming at windmills here because this may not ever get stopped uh in some sort of way like this but if it was to be stopped either by the courts or by vote in parliament what happens then is it like there's a stand down
2: order there's it just it just ceases to exist i guess yeah, it just needs to exist, and people are going to be very confused on what to do. And there's also going to be even more chaos than what there is right now. Again, we've never actually introduced and used this legislation before, so this is everyone's first time, and that's one of the reasons why it's so messy and yeah. everyone's so confused because we genuinely don't know how this is supposed to go down, and we we're in a history and precedent setting moment. But And again, just
0: one last thing on this one. If a court, let's say, struck this down, if a court said, yeah, you have not risen to the level, you have not shown that this has risen to the level that this should be used. I wonder then what happens to the people that have been arrested in Ottawa so far under this. Does that mean their arrests are no longer, any charges no longer exist because they didn't do anything wrong, even
2: though a lot of people would say, yes, they did do something wrong. It's very confusing. I 100% agree with you. It's very confusing, but there are other a- uh, measures in place, such as the criminal code, which I'm sure that uh, prosecutors will use to prosecute those that are already arrested. Um, but that said, like the government still has options within the charter to override people's rights, so they might try to invoke that, and we've seen it been, been done before. Okay, so, so there are
0: groups, as I say, that have already said they're going to be launching court action. If They lose, and quite frankly, I suspect they will. I don't think a court is going to step in and stop this. I might be surprised, but I don't think so. If a court says, No, the government is fine to do this, is there a thought or a concern that a government, any government, does not be the liberal government, any government that's in power? uh is encouraged to use this again in the future maybe with a slightly lower bar because we hey we've got the okay this is fine to do this is there a concern that doing it once and getting
2: the rubber stamp from the courts would lead to it happening again absolutely there is and i think everyone and considers the emergency act to be the final resort and it's kind of the nuclear option that we've seen the government use and i think it's a very way to summarize what the government's done throughout COVID is that they don't really listen until it's until they need to pull out the big guns and when they do they do and again we find ourselves in a lot of unprecedented time and i think that's a genuine concern that a lot of people are worried about is that will this be used again and in what situations because I think there are other ways that could have been used to kind of help de-escalate the situation, and I think everyone's to blame in this. Um, but the government kind of just went in and went full set as the kids say these days, and just tried to block this with, with as much force as they can through legislation, instead so of actually trying to go out and hear what's being said up there.
0: Every person who's listening, every person in this country has an opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Your opinion. I want to hear your opinion. We've heard that this was truly felt to be necessary by the government. We've heard other people say this is political performance art to show that we're really, really taking this seriously. Where where do you put it on the scale?
2: I think it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, watching the debate yesterday, it was very clear that this was political theater, that every party is pointing fingers and there's been no real leadership on this, that every political party thinks their way is the best way when in reality it isn't. There needs to be some common ground found with among the political parties and Even though I strongly disagree with the protest, there needs to be some common ground found with them so that everyone feels heard so that we can end this. Because honestly, this is a national embarrassment. With MPs going on Fox News, trying to promote this, it's just disappointing. This is not Canada. This is not who we are. We need to end this peacefully and we need to end this quickly because this is ridiculous. And I don't think the Emergency Measures Act is the correct way to do it. And, you know, what's going to be really awkward about this is that now that this has
0: been used, if there are protesters, let's say, on the other side of the political spectrum who, say, try to block the construction of a pipeline, now you're going to be having other people saying you've got to use the Emergency Act to clear them out. They're stopping all the stuff that you've said is happening here. This door, like when you've cracked, when you've opened Pandora's box, and this is the literal
2: definition of that, it's really hard to close it again. I, Scott, like you, again, you're 100% nailed it right on the head there. Because like this is a very slippery slope we've entered into, and with future governments and how they might deploy it, it's. I don't think it's something we really wanted to go to, and it's very, very sad that this is what it's come to. And I think the government needs to take ownership that they let Canadians down. The opposition needs to take ownership that they let Canadians down by spurring this on. And I think we need when we go to the next election, we need to think long and hard about the people who are elected because no one's done a good job right now.
0: Daniel Perry with Summer Strategies. I uh, really appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this this morning.
1: Thank you. Have a great day. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Continuing talking about
0: what is happening in Ottawa. We we're just talking about the debate in the House of Commons and that ongoing issue. But what about on the ground? Uh, stuff has been happening over the last 24 hours or so. Mike Armstrong is Global National Quebec Correspondent for Global News. He joins us now. Mike, thanks for the time today.
3: Oh, a pleasure.
0: So there were some arrests yesterday of some organizers and a few others. Um, Has that had the desired effect to get everybody out of there, or have other people now who are frustrated by this come in and filled the void? What's happening on the streets of Ottawa?
3: Well, if there were 350 trucks here yesterday, that's a ballpark estimate I've heard, there's probably 348 here today. Uh, I mean, uh, the arrests don't appear to have made much of a difference at all. Um in talking to people, uh, literally no one that I've spoken to in recent days or, or yesterday has said they're even on the fence about leaving. They all claim that they're going to stay no matter what. Uh, but when the leaders start being picked up like that, um, arrested very quickly on the streets, taken away in handcuffs, um, the message probably the police want to get out is um, it, this is happening now. And it probably does destabilize leadership. And the other leaders involved have to expect. To probably are looking over their back today. I would say
0: this may be a weird question, but who was doing the arrests? Was it the Ottawa Police or OPP or RCMP? Do you do we know?
3: It appeared to be Ottawa Police, and it uh, you know in, in other incidents uh, in other things like this that I've covered, sometimes what happens is people under undercover officers keep an eye on who's in the crowd. Once they spot leaders. They communicate with uh, uniformed police officers, and when the opportunity happens, grab the person. They're surrounded by uh, uniformed officers and then taken away very quickly before the crowd uh, sort of gathers and starts yelling them down and before there's any real confrontation. And I will tell you that we had cameras uh, in the middle of one of those arrests yesterday, and it did get very angry very quickly, and it did get bigger very quickly. Um, now, these are officers, the only ones we've seen so far tend to be in the yellow jackets. Uh, we are not seeing any officers in riot gear yet. Um, that is something that uh, could happen basically at any time as soon as today.
0: So do we know, if, if this is Ottawa police that were doing the arrest as we think it was, do we know if there's any thing under the Emergencies Act that emboldened them or gave them better ability to make an arrest yesterday than could have been done a week ago prior to the Emergencies Act coming in? Because it's, I I mean, I thought maybe if it was RCMP or someone like that, it would be a different jurisdiction. But if it's the same force that is overseeing this the whole time, what's changed, if anything?
3: No, I I don't know that anything's changed uh, or that any of the uh, operations that have taken place or measures that have taken place fall under the Act. Uh, I mean, they're supposed to be still debating the Act through the weekend and only adopting it next week, so uh, as a matter of fact, I should add, the House of Commons was supposed to debate that uh, uh, the Emergency Act today, the Speaker's office confirmed a little short while ago that there were talks last night, and because no one can make it into the downtown core today, uh, those talks have been suspended, will not take place, excuse me, today. Uh, they hope to uh, pick them up again tomorrow, um, but there are checkpoints all through the downtown core in Ottawa, uh, with the goal of basically choking off the protester, Uh excuse me, choking off the protest. You can't get into the downtown core um, unless you live or work in the downtown core or perhaps have a, a doctor form, something like that. But you, protesters can only leave. They can't go, they can't come into the downtown core. And that could cause a problem as well. Uh, for protesters, because they've got these sort of supply camps uh, a little out, sort of on the outskirts of town. There's one about four kilometers from the, from the main protest site. There's another one in Gatineau. There's one, a couple in Embrun, which is about 30 kilometers outside the city. Uh, and they've been sort of shuttling people back and forth e- each day, offering them breakfast if you park out there, and then they'll shuttle you downtown to the protest area. That's not going to happen anymore, because they're choking off uh, downtown. And the other thing that this sort of choking off downtown it's going to have. The other message that it has is to say to protesters who might have been considering driving in from Toronto, Montreal, Peterborough, wherever uh, this weekend, don't come because you're not getting downtown. Mm. And so in recent days, we've sort of been speculating that on the weekend, especially since it's family day here in Ontario, uh, the three-day weekend, um, as the numbers of protesters swell, because that's what's happened each weekend, the window for police to really intervene uh, with any force closes. Like, if, if the numbers are, are huge on the Hill, they're probably not going to come in with riot police. Now, if they're choking off the downtown core and not allowing those numbers to swell this weekend, that police intervention and the possibility of seeing police and riot gear, that could come at any time, uh, as I said earlier, as soon as today even.
0: You know, I do wonder uh, for years now because, you know, there are protests all the time outside the White House in Washington and uh, for years now the street out in front of the White House has been blocked off to traffic and it becomes you can go and carry a sign and whatever else but it's not it's not available for something like this and and I I do wonder, I mean, Ottawa somehow somehow over the years has avoided these big protests. I wonder if that's where we're going that we just have to acknowledge, you know what, the front, of the, Parliament, the front of Parliament Hill is going to be a protest zone and there's not going to be traffic there in the future.
3: Yeah, uh, how sad would that be? Um, but I will say Parliament Hill is used to protests and fairly sizable protests. This one was treated differently. Uh, normally they do cut off sort of um, the eastern and western ends of Wellington and they sort of don't allow protests to expand beyond that. But they do let them on the hill. Um, this one was treated differently, and I think that they're going to review that. But in the past, I will add that, you know, when something happens on Parliament Hill, there tends to be a reaction afterwards. For example, when someone drove a bus onto Parliament Hill with hostages, after that they made it so that no vehicles are allowed on Parliament Hill. Uh, Civilian vehicles used to be able to drive up and drive around Parliament Hill. You can't do that anymore. But, you know, it's the seat of our democracy, and that would be darn sad if they were to close off the street in front.
0: Mike Armstrong, Global News, Quebec correspondent for Global. Uh, thanks for the time today. Really appreciate
1: it. Thank you. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Guess what time of the year it is? Guess what time we're coming up to? Tax season. Woo! Tax season. We get to do our taxes. Uh, said nobody ever. <laughs> Scott Radley in for Rick Zamprin this morning on Good Morning Hamilton. Yes, it is time to start thinking about getting your taxes done and preparing all those papers and stuff that you have to have to to be able to do this. I want to bring in Paul Inacek. He's the vice president and trustee with BDO Debt Solutions. Paul, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's great
4: waking up and seeing that Mother Nature is still in charge of our school system. But uh, my kids will be happy
0: today. Your kids will be thrilled. Your kids will be thrilled. Paul, speaking of thrilled, I got to ask you, you are a, you're a numbers guy. You like working with figures. You like dealing with money and that kind of thing. Do you enjoy doing your taxes?
4: You know what I'm it's taxes is one of the things I'm very used to uh, doing. It's uh, it, it, it's a yearly thing that comes around, and uh, to me, uh, it, it's not as complicated because I see it every day, but I, I understand where people get uh, frustrated and they want to <laughs> kind of bury their hand and
0: want to avoid doing their taxes. You know, I I I am I feel some level of relief that uh, that we are now living in an era where you can download a program and do it on your computer. Because I'm thinking back to when I first did taxes when I was very young, had my first job, and it was all that by hand with a calculator. And um, there's a reason I went into journalism and the media because they told me I wouldn't have to do numbers, and uh, that was a bad bad thing. But I don't know, Paul, I got to think that if you were to ask most of your clients, would they prefer to do their own taxes or go for a dental visit? Uh, I'm not sure which the answer would be.
4: It would be a tough call. I'm I'm sure some of them would take the dentist. However, you know, (laughs) the taxes is probably... can Nowadays, you're right. With the technology, it's it's very easy. It's short. uh, You don't even have to leave the comfort of your own home anymore because everything is online. You can download all the forms that are required and just, uh, you know, Transfer them onto the application that you're using. You know there are some great apps, and, and they'll take you hand by hand right through the taxes. So, uh, and it'll actually make you uh, think about what you need to claim, and that you don't miss everything that you need to claim. Uh, so, they are amazing software. However, it does require a little effort just to go take a look and uh, to find it. Uh, that's what I think a lot of people get frustrated about is that you know what taxes are deducted at source if you are working, and why can't the government just do your taxes because
0: they have. Have all the information so that's where some of the frustration great comes in point. with individuals i hadn't even thought of that but that's a terrific point is why not and and, and here's one of the things i want to ask you because i want to go through a few tips in the time we have here but i really believe that there is going to be there are going to be some upset people this year people who were receiving things like CERB or those kind of things, because even though it's been put out there many, many times that, Hey, these are taxable, save a little money because you're going to get taxed on these at the end of the year. I think a lot of people, maybe their ears have been closed and they haven't heard that. And they're going to be shocked that wait, the government gave me this money and now they want me to pay back some of this money. Why didn't they just take the taxes off it when it started? But that though that is going to come up, right? We're going to have people who are going to be paying taxes on those monies. You are correct. And it's also twofold
4: there because I'm talking to a number of people that are actually starting to receive letters from Canada Revenue Agency saying that they actually didn't qualify for CERB and now it's going to become a bigger issue on their taxes because now they're going to have to pay some tax uh, from what they earned during the year, plus they're going
0: to have to pay some of the CERB money back. So uh, I want to go through a few ideas here quickly because people, if you are in that group uh, that receives CERB, be aware. Uh, it, it could be a little more complicated than you think. It, it always struck me as a good idea that if you have the money to do it, not everybody does, certainly, and not every year everybody has it. But if you do, uh, if you can do your taxes before the end of February as best you can to get a sense of what you're going to owe, it buys you some time to do some things to maybe reduce what you're going to owe the government, RSPs or whatever that is correct and the rsp deadline is uh, going to be coming
4: up as well however if you get your taxes done early and again going back to some of this the software that is available uh, there are some rsp generating uh, uh, savings uh, advice that they do have on there is that you can look how much you can contribute not only to uh, reduce the amount of taxes that have to pay but also for some people it's to increase the amount of refund they're going to be receiving
0: yeah, but if you, if you are owing, yeah, if you're owing taxes and you buy some RRSPs, that will reduce theoretically the amount you would have to pay, plus you're saving money for yourself. That's right. It's a win-win situation because the RRSPs
4: are saving for your future, your future retirement. It is going to reduce the amount of taxes that you have to save, and it, it, it's a perfect scenario. And they, that's why the government allows for the first 60 days of a new year for your RSP contributions to be used for
0: the previous year's taxes. What else? Is there something else? I don't know if it'll be new this year, but do you have, when people come to you and they say, what's your best tip for for when we're doing taxes or right before taxes? what, What does Paul say is the thing to do? Well, the most important thing is to look at all the tax credits that are available for you. A lot of people don't
4: look at the common deductions. We talked about the RSPs, but, you know, you need to take a look. Do you have eligible uh, child care expenses, moving expenses, employment related expenses? And now this is going to be the big one again this year because the home office expenses, uh, the government, uh, similar to last year, is allowing Uh, for those individuals that had to work at home for the pandemic, to claim expenses, either a flat rate of $500 per year, or if you spent more and you have the paperwork to back it up, uh, you can actually claim more in that. And that is also going to help save. And it's really because the government understood during the pandemic, it really, you know, a lot of offices were closed, people were working from home, they had to adjust, there were some more expenses for a number of individuals to get through the pandemic, if they had to work at home, you know, the Increase internet usage is just one of them. So
0: the government introduced it again this year, the home office expenses. It is. Uh, it seems like this year is going to be a little bit painful for some people um, because inflation, everything is costing more. And now uh, sending a check back to the government, it's always a fun time, but uh, even more so when things are so tight. But um, you know what? People like Paul will help you through that if you want it. Uh, Paul Anachik, President and Trustee, Vice President and Trustee of BDO Debt Solutions. Paul, thanks so much for the time this morning. Appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Have a good
1: day. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Across the
0: world on the other side of our planet, there are incredible tensions right now and fears of what may happen in Ukraine. For days and weeks, Russia has been amassing troops at the Ukrainian border. You've heard this, you're aware of this. And it seems that for the last number of days anyway, uh, the tension has been ratcheted up because at one point we were hearing reports that Russia had assumed attack position. That seemed to pull back a little bit, or at least maybe it did. What is going on over there right now? I want to bring in Redmond Shannon. He is the Europe correspondent for Global News who joins us now. Redmond, thank you for the time today. Good morning, Scott. Do we... Okay, so there are so many different reports of what's happening. Attack position, not attack position, bombs shooting off, you know, attack. What do we know is going on right now? Are we looking at the moment before a war, or is it complete
5: unknown what this is you you hit the nail on the head there scott we don't know because there are so many ca- claims and counterclaims about what is going on so russia is uh, saying among other things that tomorrow it is holding ballistic missile drills at the same time the kremlin is saying it's absolutely transparent and it's something uh, no one should worry about it is accusing nato of uh, hysteria of western hysteria It is, of course, uh, gathering troops along the Ukraine border, but says it has no intention of attacking. Meanwhile, we're seeing uh, uh, increased reports of fighting in eastern Ukraine. The the occupied areas of eastern Ukraine, which have been occupied by Russian-backed rebels for uh, the last eight years, heightened tensions there, with uh, both sides uh, reporting about attacks against their positions, the Ukrainian government side and the Russian-backed rebels side. And uh, we have these um, news reports in Russia citing um, intelligence, they say, that Ukraine is looking to take back these positions in yeah. the coming days, in Donbass. Yeah. And this is exactly what uh, Anthony Blinken, the U.S. Secretary of State, said is the type of so-called false flag attack or reason for, uh, starting an attack. And that indicates that something's got maybe happening, but we just don't know. And I wanted to ask you about
0: that. Thank you for bringing that up because the false flag thing has been going on for days now, and I think many people understand this, but uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but essentially this is, we will have, um, either Russian troops or troops that are sympathetic to Russia attack Russia. So basically a self-attack, but under the guise that this was Ukraine so that we now have justification to go in. That's the idea of a false flag,
5: correct? It could be that. It could be Russia or Russian sympathetic forces, as you say, attacking Russian positions, or it could be simply an invented uh, attack with uh, no proof of it actually happening. That's what a false flag attack. It it would be a way of the Kremlin um, justifying attacking Ukrainian territory again. And of course, I say again because Russia has attacked, uh, uh, has supported the uh, fighting in eastern Ukraine and annexed Crimea in 2014. So we're talking about yet another potential Russian attack. So really, it's about Russia uh, and the, Ru- uh, the Russian government uh, using potentially Russian media in order to give public support in Russia for it attacking Ukraine, but Russia, Right, we're,
0: we're the victims. We're that. the victims. Yeah. So we have to defend ourselves. I mean, what, Rebu, what is the, I could predict, I could guess, but what would be the international reaction if Putin did go into Ukraine? I mean, is it, is it going to be overwhelmingly outraged or are people sort of just expecting it now?
5: So it's going to be a different response. Well, international reaction is a, is a big spectrum, Scott. It depends on which country. But if we're talking about NATO governments, obviously there will be outrage there. NATO, because Ukraine is not a member of NATO, NATO troops will not be going in to fight. At least that's the position right now, going into Ukraine to fight back, if that's the case. But will be supporting and are supporting Ukraine with uh, military hardware right now. But uh, the whole point of being a member of NATO is that you get defended by your allies. Uh, Ukraine is not a member of NATO. Therefore, in theory, it wouldn't be supported. There are, of course, a huge number of countries around the world that aren't members of NATO, that are not members of NATO, including some neutral countries in Europe. But uh, you have uh, the likes of China and India, great powers in the world as well, where they fall on this could be hugely important. And it's very difficult to predict what the fallout would be should there be some russian invasion into ukraine again
0: well and look there's a second part of this i suppose which is uh e- even if you were a country that even because ukraine's not a nato but even if you were a country that felt inclined to rise to their defense um you've got china sort of looming over russia's shoulder seemingly in their corner and you've got russia as you say talking about ballistic missile tests and the the specter of i mean heaven forbid but nuclear war i mean it's does any country in the west really want to dip their toe into this one and
5: risk turning this into something much 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 bigger well i don't i don't think so i mean not not on the on the top level at least i don't think any country wants it nobody wants this to happen i don't think and particularly people in russia or have a great, uh, generally, affinity for Ukraine, see the Ukrainian nation as a sort of brothers of themselves. Many Russians see Ukraine as part of greater Russia. That is part of this issue. But there's a great sympathy towards Ukraine. Obviously, Ukrainians don't want to see it. People in Europe and North America don't want to see a war. Nobody in the world wants to see a war. But somehow, so many wars in history have started, despite nobody apparently wanting to see them happen.
0: So the the one, if if
5: it's not going to be
0: physical aid through uh, an army, is the risk of
5: big sanctions enough to dissuade Putin from doing this? I suppose it depends how big those sanctions are and how big they can be. Um, Russia has often, Russian authorities have often said they don't really care about sanctions, because the sanctions that have been placed on them in a number of ways since the invasion of Crimea have not done a whole lot to dissuade Russia from its activities. But if we talk about uh, sanctions that affect international banking, and Russian individuals and Russian authorities and Russian companies from using the international banking system, well, that's sort of a next level up. And how disruptive is that? Is Russia self-sufficient enough? Well, a huge amount of Russian uh, private wealth exists outside of Russia and has been moved outside of Russia, including very much here in London. And the UK government is, uh, just yesterday took actions to limit uh, the... Uh, uh, visa uh, applications and visa uh, approvals for wealthy Rush, wealthy individuals, period, coming into the UK, but very much it's pointed towards the presence of a lot of Russian billionaires in the UK. So that was a signal toward what Western governments might be prepared to do about Russian power around the world and Russia's ability to, uh, to trade. Then, of course, there is this Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline, which goes direct from Russia to Germany, a new gas pipeline, not yet operational, Germany would rely on it hugely for its power, for energy resources, uh, and it's a big call. For would be a big call for Germany to say we're not going to turn on that tap with this multi-billion-dollar pipeline because it costs so much money. Because it would help Germany, which is getting rid of nuclear power. German Chancellor uh, Olaf Scholz has not specified it, although Joe Biden, U.S. President, said. He doesn't want to see Nord Stream 2 used if Russia invades. The German chancellor, for whatever reason, hasn't specified it yet, but the expectation is that we won't see Nord Stream 2 come online if Russia invades. Mm. There are so many things on the table, and it, Lots, it, yeah. it, uh, it's a next level of sort of sanctions that we haven't seen yet.
0: Redmond Shannon, the Europe, uh, Europe correspondent for Global News. Really appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Scott. Have a good day.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: My next guest is, uh, he's not just one of the best linemen in the CFL and has been for a whole lot of years. Uh, he's also a pretty good guy, as it turns out. Um, I mean, everyone who knows him knew that, but now he's proving it even more with a great charity endeavor. His name is Chris Van Zyl. He joins us now. Chris, how are you? Not so bad, Scott. How are you tonight? Or I am it's, it's early. I, I understand. <laughs> it is early. Uh, yeah, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. And I should say, I knew you were I knew you were a great guy the second I first heard about you and looked up and saw what day you were born. And <laughs> since we shared a birthday, I said, that's got to be a great guy.
6: It's the best day of the year. There you go. There you
0: go. Um, so you are participating this year. I want to get to a few things here, but you are participating in United Ways, Sleepless in Our Cities fundraiser. You are going to spend a night sleeping in your car, as I understand it.
6: I am. Yes. Um, I did that. I did this last year as well. Um, raised a good amount of money for the United way. And, uh, the cause was so near and dear to me that I decided to do it again and, um, brave the cold and, um, for, for charity and, and to, to raise awareness for the homeless and, uh, in our community. So
0: you, you say it's near and dear to you, uh, and, and it's a fantastic charity, but why is there a particular reason this one resonates with you?
6: Because it's our community. Um, I live in Burlington. I've, I've been in and around Hamilton, uh, for a good chunk of my life. Um, and, and it is literally near and dear to me. There's, there's people that, I mean, you drive anywhere in Hamilton, you can, you can see the people that are out on, out on the streets and in tents and, and all over. And, and they're braving the cold every night. And, uh, for me to do this one night to raise some money for them, um, it's absolutely a no brainer
0: what was it like last year? Cause I'm, I'm guessing there have not been too many days in your life or too many nights. You've literally had to sleep in your car. So what was it like?
6: Uh, it was cold. Um, <laughs> I remember waking up in the morning and uh, just having like that, that deep cold, like right down to the bones. Um, I remember looking up and looking around at my windows and uh, the condensation from my breath had frozen the inside of the windows. And it was, it was actually beautiful. It was, it, created like a, a diamond like glistening effect um all throughout the inside of the car but uh it was extremely cold
0: where, where did you do it do you do it in your driveway or do you go park somewhere uh, i did it right in my driveway okay all uh,
6: right. yeah I, we had a we had a newborn at home, so I wasn't I wasn't gonna I wasn't that brave. I wasn't gonna try and do it elsewhere. I, I stayed nice and close to home just in case my wife needed help.
0: Well, and you know you don't want someone banging on the windows at three in the morning or whatever too <laughs> for the for the homeless guy living in his car. Um, yeah. You by the way, I mean people know I'm sure who have seen you. I mean you're you're not a small man. What kind of car do you are you in? Or this is not a subcompact or something.
6: No, it's a Dodge Charger. It's okay. it's a full-size car and uh, to be honest with you, it's as far as length goes, it's it's very well suited from someone my size.
0: It is uh, it is a fantastic charity. I want to get onto a few other things, but before we do that, if someone wanted to donate to that, where would they do that or how could they do that?
6: I think the, uh, the simplest way is to either go to the United way website and it's uh, sleepless in the cities. Um, that's the, the actual event. Um, you can actually go through either my Instagram account or my Facebook page. Um, both links are listed in in either one of those spots. So either one of those they can go to, um, yeah, but the United way site is also a good option and you can just search my name in there and I'm pretty easily found.
0: It is. It is. They say it is a fantastic charity and very timely. I mean, so much discussion in our community about homelessness and all this kind of stuff. So good for you for doing that, Chris. Um, now, I did want to ask you because uh, we have a couple of minutes here and uh, you're you're going to be coming back to a team next year that is way, way, way different, I think, from what the team was last year. A lot of changes on this team. Is that is that something you watch and go, huh? <laughs> or is that something you watch and go, you know what? Change is good. We're okay with that. How do you look at it?
6: Yeah. I mean, when you've been in professional football as long as I have, the only constant in professional football is change. And, um, you know what? I'm, I'm excited for, uh, for what the 22 season brings. Um, I know one thing that won't change is culture and, uh, the culture that Orlando brings to our team is, is second to none. I've been in a, in a couple really good locker rooms and great cup winning locker rooms and, um, the, the culture that exists in that locker room is is one that i've I've seen those great cup winning teams as well. so um, it's it's exciting to be around it's it's exciting to go to work every day and um, I'm very excited to go back next year.
0: The east though um, for better or for worse I mean great for competitive balance, but boy the east looks like it's going to be a tougher division next year than it has been for the past few
6: yeah and I mean that's that's how it goes. I mean there's a shift of power every year and there's there's people moving around and free agency does that. I mean um, good on them, but um, I think what uh, what we've done in our locker room too is it's good on us mm. so um, I'm, I'm particularly excited for the season
0: you mentioned you've been around Hamilton for a long time you went to mac uh you played for the argos you came back here so you you know this area you know the rivalry with Toronto Brandon Banks who of course uh the team and he mutually said that they agreed to go their own ways he's now signed with Toronto and the other day he said, you know, by the time the season rolls around, it'll all be over, it'll be past, it will have blown over, no one will mind anymore that I'm wearing double blue. Um, uh, uh, do you think you need to have a chat with Brandon? <laughs> or do you think that it'll have blown over by the time no, he comes no, back no. to Tim Horton's field?
6: I mean, I didn't really have a chance. Um, I <laughs> I switched teams basically the day of training camp. So um, good for him that he's got a couple months to kind of let everything kind of calm down a little bit. But um, honestly, it's um it's football it's 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 um again that's come back to the change you you circle back to that right it's 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 a constant and um i'm happy for him that he found a team and, and that is that is excited to have him a part of theirs and um yeah i'm 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 thrilled to watch him play football again um just not just well be, against you guys yeah exactly <laughs> just so well against us
2: so
0: uh before i let you go chris you mentioned about the when you went back i want to go back to the car thing for a second sleeping in the car when mm-hmm. you've played football as long as you have and you've had as many collisions as you've had when you wake up and it's that cold does it take a while for the body to you know bend again?
6: <laughs> no you just hop in the shower or something i mean it's I mean I'm very fortunate to be in a position where I can do that and, and and warm up a little bit but um yeah I I've played in a lot of cold football games where um the cold from the from the from the night before and the, the game you played still resonates in the bones the next day so it's um it's old hat. yeah it's, old hat. Yeah, it's but you're also you're also <laughs> without sleeves and everything playing football right like that's that's one of those rules as an offensive lineman. It's, it's, there's that's not it. many guys. There's not many rules, but you don't wear sleeves when it's when it's cold outside. So and that's um, a
0: discussion for another day that we'll have to have about why you guys yeah. do that. But <laughs> uh, we'll get into that later. Uh, listen, we got to run. Uh, Chris Van Zyl from the Hamilton Ty It's called Sleepless in Our Cities for the United Way. Go to the United Way. Go to Chris's Instagram, his Facebook, if you want to make a donation. Uh, Chris, listen, really appreciate you doing that, and appreciate you jumping on here this morning. Thanks for doing this
6: thank you so much for having me scott i appreciate it
1: you're listening to the good morning hamilton podcast from 900 chml if
0: you are a normal human being and i know you are you've probably been thinking to yourself oh i I wouldn't mind going somewhere warm i I mean i i'd be okay with a trip to the caribbean right now or florida or somewhere else anywhere well one of the places that people, a lot of people are interested in getting back to, but it's, um, it's, it's, an, it's an industry that has had difficulties through COVID, is cruising. People, a lot of people love to go on a cruise ship. That industry, though, as I say, really, really hard hit with the pandemic. But it seems as though maybe, just maybe, things are beginning to turn a corner and head back towards, if not normal, at least, doable. Shauna curtin Weatherall is a franchise owner of Expedia Cruises in Waterdown. She joins us now. Shauna, thanks for the time today. Good morning. So when I emailed your work email to line up this interview yesterday, I got an auto response at first, and it said, please be patient, the demand is high, and we are working as quickly as possible. Is that a sign that cruising is bouncing back? Are you the proof that cruising is on its way back?
7: <laughs> Travel is back. It's back. It's it's back, and people are anxious to go we've um i myself have already been on now four cruises through this
0: (laughs) and you're still alive
7: i'm still alive and i leave in april i'm going on a river cruise
0: wow so (laughs) does it look the same though that's the big thing that people i've talked to a number of people who say well i'm i could go but i don't know if i want to sit on a deck wearing a mask all the time or if i have to separate like is does it feel (laughs) and look the same
7: every nothing looks the same right now honestly um you know, so travel is different. And I do say to people, pack your patience when you go. You can't go expecting that it's going to be like it was in 2019. It's not. Um, we don't have, um, you don't have buffets. There's lineups to get into the, the cruise ship because there's doing testing. You have to show passports. You have to show passport uh, vaccines. So, you know, there's there's people that come on and were tested positive on the last cruise we were on in December. They were being tested positive and then they were taking off to another room where they were quarantined and then they they were sent home. So there is a difference as far as wearing a mask. The mask mandates on ships right now is being reviewed. I know that by the end of the month, Celebrity and, and Norwegian Cruise Lines are lifting their mask mandate and it'll gradually, everyone follows. So the mask mandates are being lifted. The ships are not at full capacity right now but they are selling out. So it's really actually a great time to cruise because you're not on a full ship. Um, The other thing we always tell clients is that just because you're on holidays, COVID is not. So still follow your protocols. Don't get silly and decide, you know what, I'm going to go and hang out with a bunch of people and make a whole new bunch of friends. You you can't do that. Just like we're not doing that at home because the chance of getting COVID is, is still out there.
0: I mean, obviously, and we've seen this, if you follow the stock exchange or just the news, I mean, the cruise lines took a bath over the past couple of years. I mean, billions of dollars in losses. Yeah. And so are they luring people back with like fantastic deals just to get them back on the ship or are prices actually up to cover those losses because they can't absorb much more?
7: Well, I think right now the they're not really raising costs to absorb what they did lose their the costs are a little bit higher for your safety because they do have now quarantine rooms they have uh, medical staff on board they have testings on board they have um you know operational plans as far as what to do if something happens on board so there's a whole lot of logistics that are going on that that might not have been there to that degree before but what i can say as far as budget is you know we can alter a plan to meet your needs to whatever budget you have as far as moving forward but i think given that in two years people haven't traveled you know those graduation cruises those uh, reunions those honeymoons those retirements those memories that we all didn't make it can't really put a price on it so i think a lot of people now are just saying i I need to make up for lost time and Mm. price Mm. really isn't coming up as much as it was you know maybe back in 2019 like where are the deals where are the deals it's more just get me out of here i want to get on a cruise
0: uh, I I've heard that from everybody. Um, yeah. so, okay. Different cruise lines appeal to different demographic groups. Certainly the people who go on Disney would be different, probably broadly than those on Holland America. Let's say Disney, mm-hmm. much younger families, Holland America older. Is there a group that seems more reluctant to return right now?
7: No, um, not really. I have, um, an older demographic that's doing a 28 day Hawaii that they will be going on. And this is the second time they've booked it. They had to move it. Uh, they're all probably 80 plus. Um, We have some young families going. And I would actually say younger families are more concerned because they have jobs to come back to. So as far you as can't the get retirees, the, yeah, yeah, the retirees are like, if I have, you know, my COVID insurance and we we offer COVID insurance. So if they're stuck, there's quarantine plans in place. But people that do have to come back. And if you're traveling without your kids, you've got to come back because you've got daycare and people with animals. So I would say that our, you know, 50 plus are like, get me out of here. I'm ready to go. And more of the younger demographic that have some stronger responsibilities that they have to come back to are a little more hesitant.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, though. I think everybody is saying, or most people, many people are saying, get me out of here. And uh, whether that's cruising or just, as I say, going to Florida or just whatever, just turning up the heat in the living room, maybe. <laughs>
7: yeah. Something.
0: Uh, Shauna Curtin-Weatherall, really appreciate the time today. Thanks for doing this.
7: Awesome. Thanks. Have a great day.
0: Uh, we'll see. We'll see when people, when this thing gets back to really normal. But um, eh, if she says that they're selling out, it means something is happening. Something is is going back to people maybe not being quite as scared maybe that is that the interpretation Maybe. Or as I say, just desperate, as she says, just desperate to go somewhere.
1: Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning
4: Hamilton podcast is available on Apple podcast, Google podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.